three different texts. Uh, the first one is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Then we're going to jump to Leviticus 19, 18, and then Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Miss Mary, I'm glad you were here, and I just want you to know, I do not believe John Jones at all that Brother Mike's problems were caused by your repeated pounding of his head. <laughs> don't believe it, refuse to believe it, and I don't believe Brother Don when he told me you came today to hear good preaching. I don't believe it. We're glad you're here. I just want you to know, I don't believe any of those things. We're glad you're here, and we are continuing to pray for Brother Mike. When you find Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, if you'll stand with us as we read God's Word together. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on the gates. We'll move to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. There's one verse there I want us to look at. Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. And the last passage we'll look at is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. Jesus puts these passages together. Verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Thank you. You may be seated. Ancient words. I knew Brother Mike was preaching through ancient words. And when I heard on Wednesday he wasn't going to be here, but that Lynn DeShazo was, there was conversation, would we continue to have ancient word preaching or not? I want you to know I am not preaching on his text. I came in Friday and finally had some form of outline to give to Pat, and she took a deep breath because she just had a picture of a cross, which would have worked. But today as we, as we look at these this is a, an ancient text that Jesus repeats in the New Testament. They are ancient words. Now this should go without saying, they are much more ancient to me than they would be to Brother Mike. But ancient words nonetheless. You're not still videoing, are you? That was just that one song. <laughs> Let's hope not, I'm dead. This, the passage from Deuteronomy is known as the Shema. Shema Israel. Hear Israel. If they had been from the south, Moses would have said, Hey, y'all, listen up. He's trying to get their attention. Modern Jews consider the recital of the Shema both at evening and at morning to be one of their most sacred duties. The setting of the passage is this. The Israelites are ready to go into the promised land. Moses, God's spokesman, is preaching, and his message is, is stressing the importance 
of this passage. He tells them these are God's commands. They're His statutes, His ordinances. He wants them to remember that when things get good, it's all because of God. When they get into the land flowing with milk and honey, when they enter the promised land, it's all because of God. He wanted them to remember the power of God. He wanted to remind them that they needed to be awestruck. He wanted them to remember to tell their children and their grandchildren. He, he told them that they would need to carefully follow these rules. He said if they do that, they would prosper and multiply greatly because Yahweh, the God of their fathers, has promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. He wanted to make sure they were listening, but most importantly, he wanted to make sure they were hearing because there is a difference. He tells them that God is God that they should spend all their resources loving Him. The passage in Deuteronomy says, love Him with all your heart. The, the seed of emotions, their emotional love, to love Him with all your soul, the, the very essence of who we are, to make a conscience decision to love God, to love Him with all your strength, all your physical abilities. He tells them that their obedience would be an outward sign of the inner decision they made to love Him. Know the rules. Memorize the rules. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them all the time. Put them on a sign and hang them on the bill of your hat. Get a t-shirt with them on there. Get a tattoo on your wrist. Put a banner in your yard. Write them on your houses. Put a sign on the bill of your hat so you're constantly reminded of it. Are you getting the idea that their obedience was important? And the area that he stresses obedience in is love. Love of God. We're going to move to Leviticus because that's what Jesus did. The passage from Leviticus was and is a very important passage for the Jewish people. The context of this commandment has to do with just living in the community, how we're to, to live in the community with others. The chapter includes things like the rules pertaining to the harvest, not to reap the field to the border or gather gleanings, or for you non-farmers, like me, to, to leave the crops that you couldn't easily get to so others could have access to them. Not to strip the vineyards bare, but to leave a little behind for the poor and the sojourner. The chapter also deals with employers, that, that they were required to pay their laborers at the end of the day and not to hold their wages overnight. The passage demands justice. It, it was, it's kind of like their version of all men were created equal. And it ends with this verse that Jesus quoted, you shall not take vengeance or bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. These two commandments were given to the children of Israel under the old covenant. Jesus gives his disciples a, a, a new Shema Israel, a, a new covenant, a new commandment, and, and he combines both of these Old Testament passages together. All that was intro. Here we go. To love God with all your heart is not enough. To love God with all your heart is not enough. We might think it is. But God himself says it's not. To love the Lord with all our heart is not enough. To fully please him in our daily walk. It, it takes more than that. It takes more than just an attempt to love God. It actually takes loving God in, in five different ways. To fully please him. And to fully live out 
the calling that He's given upon our life. We're going to walk through these five together. I love studying the Bible. I had a great time going and looking at these words, looking at the root words, seeing what they meant in the language when they were written and comparing them to our language today. I'm going to give you a little of that because I think it's important. It's important for us to realize what God was saying to us when he spoke this. First, we're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's important. Next, we're going to love him with all of our soul. It's important. He's going to, we're going to love him with all of our mind. We're going to love him with all of our strength. And finally, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? Let's look at that Hebrew word. The, the word is labob. It means to be enclosed as in an interior, the center, the heart. The, the Greek word is, is cardia. It, it means the seat of one's inner life. It's a place of human depravity. It's, that, it's, that, it's our heart of hearts. It's our desire producer. It's what makes us tick. Both of these meanings point to life. It points to our life. In our life, we have a sin nature. We are morally corrupt. And because of our moral corruptness, we're entitled to spiritual death. That's the nature of our life. Our spiritual life, spiritual life, changes when we ask Jesus to come into our heart to be our Savior and our Lord. Jesus replaces spiritual life for spiritual death. And when we accept Jesus' sacrifice on the sin, we get a new life. The new life we get is, is our, our being born again. It, it is a spiritual life. And, and if we don't have that spiritual life, we're never going to live a filling, fulfilling life. Jesus promised us that he came to give us life and to give us life abundantly. This new life can only blossom through study and through the obedience of God's word. We have to know God's word. And by obedience to fellowship with God himself, we were created for fellowship with God. God's spirit then indwells us and he enables us to grow in God. As we grow in God, we love him more and we serve him more. The more we serve and love him, the better we can Love the Lord our God with all of our heart. It's a process. It's something we have to do. Secondly, he says to love the Lord with all your soul. The Hebrew word for soul is nephesh. It means a breathing creature. The Hebrew word can mean either a person or an animal or either a creature in the sea. The Greek word equivalent to that is the word suke, which we get our prefix for psycho, for words like psychology and Suke means breath. It's the voluntary breath, but it also means gently breathing. It, the soul of a man in the Bible is always the, the lower element of a man, where the heart is the higher element of the man. And God says that we should love him with both of those, our heart and our soul. When suke is used throughout the Bible, it, it usually regards to man's feelings, his emotions, his attitudes, his will. So if we're going to love God with all of our soul, it's going to be different than loving God with all of our heart because it speaks of the emotions, the attitudes, our will, the will of a person. In 1 Timothy 6.11, it talks about godliness, which means being devoted to God. It says that we choose to love God. It's an attitude of self-devotion to love God. It's exercising our will, that, that part of our soul, to love God in all situations of life. It's hard to love God 
in all situations of life. We either choose or we choose not to do what is right. We make the decision. And God wants us to make those choices based on, on His Word, on His commandments, on our relationship with Him. When you begin to love God with all your soul, you'll find things like this. Instead of retaliating and showing the person who hurt you how it feels, you're going to choose to be kind and, and you're going to show them that what they've done is wrong and how they've hurt you. When you love God with all your soul, instead of giving up hope in a situation, you're going to choose hope. You're going to seek a way through the situation through God, whether it turns out to be exactly what you want or not. When you love God with all your soul, instead of choosing to be angry, you choose to be patient. You choose to have long-suffering. You choose endurance. This is what it means to love God with all your soul. The third thing that's mentioned here is, is love the Lord your God with all your mind. Jesus states in Matthew and Mark to love God with all your mind. The word for mind is not mentioned in the Deuteronomy passage um, where he quoted the scripture. Mark In Mark's text, there's actually a scribe who quotes the scripture back to Jesus. Jesus and the scribe both used a different word for mind. It, it, it's okay. The word that Jesus used is, is dianoia, which means deep, though exercising the mind to think through that the scribe's word, sunesis, is putting things together, figuring things out, having intelligence. Both of those words for us have the same meaning. Everything we think about, the way we make decisions, the way we choose to do things, that's what God wants us to love Him with. It's similar to our intellect, the place where we analyze, figure out, and plan things. So if we're going to love God with all of our mind, it means that we are to everything that we put in our minds should be right. We should only put things in our mind that are, that are true and godly and moral. This brings up the question, what are you feeding your mind? What are you placing into your mind? Had a great experience Friday night. I'm the chaplain for Pelham High School's football team. We had the opportunity to go to Spain Park undefeated and play for a chance for a number two seed in the playoffs. Most of the people we talked to did not think we had a chance. We all felt like we did. We showed out in a major way. It was an impressive win. Before we went into the game, I watched our players. I was praying for them as they walked by, and I noticed that almost everyone had the Beats headphones on their ear. The ones that didn't had them stuck in their ear. And in thinking about the sermon, I watched them, and I began to think, what are you pumping directly into your mind? Because that's what this is talking about. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? And how does that prove that you love God with all of your mind? God wants us to make all decisions based upon His commitments, on His precepts, on His principles in every situation. Love God with all your mind in every situation. Number four, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. Loving God with all of our strength is the ultimate expression of our heart, soul, and mind being brought together through our daily activities. Through our strength, it's taken all of the, the things that we love, all of the things that we think, all of the things that make us who we are, and putting them together, and that's how we live life. That's through our strength. It's an outward expression of what's going on 
inside ourselves through our, our speech, our sight, our physical actions. The Hebrew word for strength is, is mayod. It, it means muchness. It, it means force. It means vehemently with everything that you got. The, the root word is a word that it's like a poker that you'd have in a fireplace. And you'd reach in and you'd turn the coals over. It, it means to reach into a hot situation and, and turn things around where they should be. That strength. The Greek word is iskus, which means forcefulness, ability, might. So we're to love God with all of our forcefulness, all of our ability, all of our might. It's a combined, focused, intentional moving of your heart, your mind, and your soul expressed out of, into, out of your relationship toward God. In other words, it, it's the full energy of your heart, what's most important to you, all of your emotions, all of your will, all of your reasoning ability, coupled with your knowledge, your wisdom, your talent, your skills, intentionally focused on loving God. I hope you see a, a, a true picture for me here. God doesn't want us just to love Him with parts of our being, but rather with all of our being, every single moment of every single day. His great commandment for us to love, to display, to display His own, His, His holy, His agape, God-like love to us in order that we will not be corrupted, so we will not corrupt others. That's God's plan for our life. Just when you want to stop and yell out, wait, that's too much, I can't do it. That's too much. There's no way I can take my whole being and spend my whole day of everyday loving God. Jesus adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. All that goes on in our heart, soul, and mind is lived out in our daily life through our strength, focused towards God, and then it's focused on ourselves and focused on others. Who are these others? Our neighbors. The, to love your neighbor as yourself means someone who is near you, your, your sphere of influence, those people that are in front and beside and behind you. Jesus gives an example of who the neighbor is in, in the story of the Good Samaritan. He said it's assisting someone that you meet on the road in everyday life who needs help. Several years ago, I was getting ready for a spring Bible conference and was preaching on the story of the Good Samaritan, another very familiar story. And as I began to study and look at God's Word, I got convicted, not that I wasn't being kind and not that I was walking by people who were wounded. I got convicted towards the end. When the Good Samaritan took the injured man to the end and said, here's the money that you're going to need to take care of him. If it's not enough money when I come back, I'll give you more to pay his, to pay his, his bill. I remember reading that and going home and, and, and finding Patty and saying, I, I think we have a problem. It, it's a money problem, and we didn't really have money problems. We, Patty's diligent. Boy, she pays those bills. She can usually tell you what's in the checkbook. She, she, she does that. And so she didn't see it either. And I said, it's not that we're not paying our bills. It's that we don't have enough money to be able to do ministry to other people. So we made a decision that day to, to be out of debt, to pay off all those things we owe, to always have some money where if we come in contact with somebody that needs help, we have money to help them. That's what Jesus is saying in the story of the Good Samaritan, that as we come in contact with these people, we need to be 
not just willing, but able to do ministry. Love our neighbors as ourselves. When all of these, loving God with all of our hearts, our soul, our mind, our strength, loving your neighbors as yourself are matured, then and only then do we have a vibrant personal relationship with God. I had a newspaper out when I was in college. I've never been very mature. I'm still 12 years old in my mind and in most of my actions. On this newspaper route, I still threw papers. I'm driving through a neighborhood. The papers were late. And as I began to throw the paper into this lady's yard, she was bent over working in her flower garden. There was a target that I could not pass. I was absolutely sure that I could smack her right on the behind. I got the paper in my hand. I drew back to throw, and I stopped. And I laid it in the driveway. I remember thinking to myself, you just grew up a little bit. It was a good, it's the last time I had that feeling, but it was a good feeling <laughs> to know that I had made that decision. That's what happens when we grasp this truth and we begin to love God. We begin to mature in God. Then John 14, 21 can become a reality. He who has my commands and keeps him, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Wow. Ancient words with a kick. When we put these texts together, as Jesus did, Jesus gives us a glimpse of why it's so important to follow Jesus says, on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. All of the law, all of the prophets can be summed up and love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The command to love God with all, all of our heart, mind, soul, strength... It seems impossible to obey. Could we ever really love God in all those areas, always? No. It's impossible in our natural state to love God with all of our heart. We cannot do it. There's no greater evidence of the inability of man to obey God's law than through this one commandment. No human with a fallen nature could possibly love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, 24 hours a day. It's impossible. And we know that to disobey any commandment of God is sin. So without even considering the sins we commit every day, yelling at our neighbor who's driving too slow in the fast lane, lying to our coworker, cheating on our income taxes, all of those other sins, that we, if we take all of those away and say, let's just focus on what Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor. If, if we just take that, we don't measure up. And, and I think this is the reason that Jesus continually reminded the religious of his day that it's not about keeping the law of God. Yes, be obedient. Yes, keep the law of God. But the most important thing is not do you keep all the rules. The most important thing is do you love God? 
with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Jesus tells the story of the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus. He said, Jesus, what's it take to get to heaven? He said, well, you know the laws. Yes, sir. And I've kept them since I was a child. He said, well, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. We could translate that for him as, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He walked away sad. Jesus was trying to get the, the religious of his day to, to see that they were completely spiritually bankrupt and they needed a Savior. That just being legalistic, just knowing the rules was not going to get you into heaven. I think that's why Jesus told Nicodemus when he asked, how am I going to go to heaven? That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Without the cleansing of sin that only God can provide and the empowering presence of God's Holy Spirit in our lives and, and in our hearts, we can't love God to any degree. But when God moves in, when God indwells us, he gives us the capability to love him like he wants to be loved. As Christians, we've been cleansed from our sin, and, and we do have the Holy Spirit. So how do we begin to love the way we should? Is it any easier for us? We will only be able to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. When doing so, when we're so consumed with loving God, that's what matters. That has to be the thing we think about when we're lying down, when we're getting up. It's got to be on our houses. It's got to be on our t-shirts. It's got to be told to our children. It has to be everything. In most cases, our love and affection for Him grows more intense as time goes by. This is pressure. Should have thought about this before it came out. We've been married 23 years. Okay, good. She wasn't here the first service. 23 years ago when we got married, we were at Roebuck Park Baptist Church. It's now the North Park Baptist Church. And they had just redone their sanctuary. And there were a lot of people that came to see the sanctuary while we were getting married. Some of them were our friends. Some of them just wanted to see what their wedding was going to look like. But we were there, all of our friends and a few people that we didn't know. And all the bridesmaids came in and all my friends came in. And then Patty came in. Ooh, couldn't believe it. Why would something like that be something interested in something like me? And in our service, the preacher said, I say this in every wedding, I hope that you one day can say, I love you more now than the day when we were married. On that day, I thought that was impossible. Can I tell you, 23 days, 23 years later, 23 days too, but 23 years later, it's still true. It, it is, you can love more. As you, and that's what God is saying to us. When, when we become Christians, when we learn to love, we love more. Young Christians, the newly saved, they're aware of the love of God. They understand the love of God in their life. But it, it's through the witness of God's faithfulness through tough times, through times of struggle, through times of trial, that our deep love for God grows and grows and grows. It's in those times that we experience God's compassion, His mercy, His grace. 
His love for us. As we were singing in the song, Rest came on the screen. I kept thinking about Brother Mike and the rest that he'll get as God heals his eye. God wants to be in all of those things with us. We, we mature. We cannot honestly love someone we don't know. So loving God must be our first priority. We must pursue God and His righteousness. We must take it seriously. We must take seriously the command of God to love Him above all else. We must be consumed by the things of God. Not just coming to church on Sunday. Not just buying the newest Christian CD. Not just reading the new book or the new Bible study. We must be consumed with loving God. This love through obedience is manifested in our lives when we are eager to study God's Word, when we're eager to pray, when we're eager to obey and honor God in all things, when we are eager to share Christ with others. I think sometimes we get it backwards. We have classes on how to share your faith. It's important. We have classes on how to study the Bible. We have classes on all kinds of things. God says, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can I tell you that when we get those things right, it takes care of everything else? It could be. We teach all these classes because we're not willing to do the first part. We must love God. He must be our priority. Jesus in John 13, 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. Our relationships to each other should be so intense that if somebody walks up, they realize there's something special going on here. I love girls. I live with all girls. They frustrate me, but I love them. Girls have the ability to do this more than men. A buddy will come in. We may, hey, how you doing? We may feel... We may even give a little bro hug. I mean, just, just that. But if a girl comes in and her girlfriend, she, maybe she hasn't seen her in 10 minutes. Oh, girl! It's just so excited. And you, you have to look. And you have to watch going on there. And you think, oh, they must be really good friends. Our love for each other should be so that everybody knows because of our love that we're Jesus' disciples. It's only after a proper love relationship with God that we can have true love relationships with any other. Ultimately, God demonstrated His love for us on the cross. When God says that we're to love Him, we're to be here, and we're to love Him. So this horizontal beam represents our love for God. This vertical beam represents our love for each other. Those in front of us, behind us, and to each side of us. And every time we see the cross, we should remember that we're to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our heart, and all of our strength. And that we're to love others as ourselves. Sermon in a Sentence is by St. Augustine. He says, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. A youth minister I don't know if he stole it or came up with it, but in trying to communicate God's love for us, said that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. 
God loves us that much. We're important to Him. Important enough that He gave His Son to be sacrificed for us. And in return, He says, I just want you to love me like I love you. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And I want you to love your neighbors as yourself. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. All means all. All means all. Hear the word of the Lord and respond. I don't know your life, but if you're like me and you're honest, you haven't loved God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. All of your, you haven't even loved your neighbor as yourself. There are probably days you didn't even love yourself. Today, I hope the Holy Spirit will do for you what He did for me and remind us that out of obedience, we're to love God. Would you stand with me? So we enter into a time of invitation. If you've never asked Jesus to to be your Savior, if you've never accepted His sacrificial death for your life, we invite you to come and, and experience that today. If you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you. You need to be busy. Part of this love relationship is once we're tuned into God, we're tuned into others. Maybe today you just need to come and pray and say, God, today I commit to do my best to allow you through your Holy Spirit to help me to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and my neighbor as myself. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for today. Father, I pray today that your word has bitten us right in our heart. Father, I pray that today we realize that what you want from us is love. Total, complete, unadulterated love with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Father, help us to get to that point. And Father, then to go the next step and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, move in our lives today. Let us know what you want us to do with your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come with God's calling.